What are some of the most important things in your life? Probably health. That's pretty important. Family. That's a good one. Well, there's one more that longevity experts say is as important as any, and very few people ever guess it. Do you know what it is? I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder, the program that helps you realize age is not a disease. It's an opportunity, an opportunity for you to live your best life possible. All right, so what is it that's so important that sometimes we don't even realize it? Well, it's a sense of purpose, something we all need, a driving force in life, a reason to get up in the morning, something that we believe in that motivates us to make a difference. We're going to talk about that today and discuss the growing evidence that having a sense of purpose is linked to better health and greater well-being. Yeah, it's a great and important conversation. And we will start by talking to one of the top executive life coaches in the world. Now, this is the guy considered to be the pioneer of the global purpose movement. Dr. Richard Leiter is his name. He's the best-selling author of 11 books. He's the host of the PBS special, The Power of Purpose. He's going to be here to help you unlock your own power of purpose. We're also going to meet a guy who struggled to find his purpose, but once he did, you can say he saw the light. Cosmo Wilson is his name, and he'll tell us how he went from a guy who was simply fascinated by rock bands to one of the top concert lighting directors in the world, handling the lights for bands like ACDC, Aerosmith, and dozens more. And we're going to get a quick pep talk from Dr. James Smith Jr. on authenticity and how to use it to become the very best version of yourself. Ordinary people living extraordinary lives. This is Growing Bolder. At Growing Boulder, we talk a whole lot about the importance of passion and purpose as we age. Uh, purpose is what fuels active longevity. In fact, most of the active centenarians that we've interviewed over the last decade actually still have a daily to-do list. And of course, the kinds of things that are on that list will change, but they still have things that they want to do, that they want to get done. Because at some point, if we have nothing to get up for, most of us just stop getting up. Purpose is what fuels active longevity. I am beyond excited to have the opportunity today to talk to one of the world's foremost thought leaders on the power of purpose. This guy is a pioneer in the global purpose movement. Dr. Richard Leiter is the founder of InVenture, which is the Purpose Company. Their mission is to help people unlock the power of purpose. He's an internationally known best-selling author who has written 11 books. Uh, his latest is one I'm keenly interested in. It's titled, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? The Path to Purposeful Aging. Uh, his PBS special, The Power of Purpose, has been viewed by millions of people. Forbes has named uh, Richard, one of the top five most respected coaches in the entire world. And, and honestly, folks, I could go on and on, but let's get with it as we welcome Dr. Richard Leiter. Dr. Leiter, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great, and thanks for your kind introduction. Thank you for your time. Uh, how would you, first of all, describe or define purpose, and, and why is it important to our overall health and well-being? Purpose is, not a, uh, first of all, not a luxury. It is some, not uh, something that we do in our spare time. It is fundamental to health, to healing, to happiness, and ultimately to uh, even to, uh, to longevity. Purpose is the answer to the question why. 
Why do I do what I do? Even with your to-do list, as you talked about, you know, if you look at your to-do list and ask yourself, why am I doing this? You're into living pur purposefully in certain ways. So purpose is something is a verb. Let me say it again. It's a verb. It's what we do, not just you, you, you can have a purpose. That's one thing. But living purposefully is uh, action. Uh, and it's something that you do on a day to day uh, basis. There are 1440 purpose moments every single day. And so the key is, what do you do in just one of those moments wow. to make a difference in someone else's life? Because purpose is always beyond yourself. It brings meaning to yourself, but it also uh, makes a difference in the lives, uh, in the life of another person or a person's. I want to ask you how we find our purpose, because I've always been envious of people who find their purpose earlier in life. Most of us aren't that lucky. But, but in your new book, um, you talk about how worrying about money is a natural part of living a longer life. But you say we should worry well. Uh, what does that mean? How do we worry well? Well, uh, before looking at how much is enough, the question is, what, what is what is it that, that you're saving or putting aside for? And so uh, I talk about the good life and helping, you know, step one is uh, being clear about your vision, your individual vision, Mark, because everybody's an experiment of one, your vision of the good life. And then the question is, how much is enough to, uh, you know, to get that vision uh, reality uh, for yourself? When I talk with uh, audiences, one of the first questions that comes up is, will I have enough to live the good life? So then I ask, well, what is the good life? And oftentimes people uh, are kind of vague, real vague about it. They have a number, but they don't have the qualities. So here's the good life in the research that we've done. My co-author, David Shapiro, and I, we've written six books and three bestsellers together. And we researched the good life. He's a philosophy professor. I come from the psychology and the, more of the spiritual angle. But uh, and uh, so the good life is has four characteristics: place, people, right work, and purpose. So I ask people: Are you living in the place you love, with the people you love, doing the work you love? And the work does not have to be a paid job. It could be avocational. It could be a retirement, second career type of thing. It could be anything. Are you living in the place you love with the people you love, doing the things you love, the work you love on a day-to-day -day basis with a sense of purpose, With a because we live in community, making a difference in the lives of others? All of a sudden, people really dig in. And then they say, well, you know, I need more money for a place, but I also need money for legacy or people or to do certain things. And I want to invest in education or I want to invest in a second career or something, and purpose. Uh, tops that off. So is that, does that kind of make sense to you in terms of the, the, the whole question about how much is enough? It, it does. I read some research not long ago that, you know, said that the, the three biggest fears that we all have as we grow older are uh, dementia, you know, some sort of cancer or cardiac issue and running out of money before we run out of time. So, so, so it has to be up there near the top trying to figure out, you know, what we can do. And, and as we've all learned, that takes planning. And, you know, I've been a student of aging for now over four decades. And 
Uh, I've interviewed people over the age of 65, the standard retirement age of the past, for many years. And I've found that there are three things, Mark, that, that come up when I ask them if you could live your life over again, looking backwards uh, to your younger years or your midlife years, what would you do differently? And the three things are, first of all, they say they'd be more reflective, that they just were too busy to, until there was a crisis, financial crisis or you know, relational or job or uh, health, then they had to step back and really look at, well, what am I doing and why am I not doing certain things? And second thing, they said they'd take more risks the second time around. And the risks have to do with the choices that we make. You know, ultimately, purpose is a mindset. It's a choice. And it demands a certain amount of reflection or curiosity. And so they would take more risks, not just in the financial arena, but also in the job arena, in the work arena, to find work that was a better fit. And maybe even in, in retirement, they might do that. And the third thing is, so we have reflection, courage. And the third thing is purpose. A hundred percent of the people that I've interviewed over decades and written books about and studied want their life to matter. Mattering matters. As Steve Jobs said, I, all I want to do is make a dent in the universe. And people laugh, well, yeah, you made a big financial dent. But the fact is, up to his final breath, he wanted to make a dent in people's lives. And I find that that's true with all of us. You know, I talk about in this new book, you know, the question young, in younger years is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this new book is, who do you want to be when you grow old? The subtitle, The Path of Purposeful Aging, is really about taking choice, curiosity, and courage to grow, grow whole in the second half of life. Welcome to the age of liberation, folks, if not now, when. Uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I love uh, the whole risk-taking notion. Folks, we're talking with Dr. Richard Leiter, who is arguably the world's foremost expert on the power of purpose. And, and I mentioned Richard a moment ago. I've always, and, and, and this is, is, is truth, I've just, I've envied people who somehow stumbled upon their, their purpose in life when they're a teenager and built a business around it and a life around it and, and they're just so happily uh, you know, engaged and employed. Most of us aren't that lucky and I think the unlucky ones are the ones who misidentify their purpose and end up spending a lot of time and energy chasing something that really doesn't fulfill them. So, so let me ask you, what are the simple steps that an average person can take to, to try to figure their, their path forward, to try to connect with their purpose? Well, first of all, let me say that I, uh, purpose is a path and a practice. And so what you're asking is what are the practices, certainly. But first, you have to choose a path, a purposeful path. And one of the things that really uh, is a breakthrough for a lot of people, uh, although it's difficult, is this. Action precedes clarity. You don't just think about a purpose and then live it. You act, as I said, purpose is a verb. You act, and out of that action comes some clarity about what really matters in, in, in certain ways. So the simplest way that I think of is that the universal default purpose, it's only two words, jot this on a post-it, grow and give. Put that post-it on a mirror, and tomorrow morning, ask yourself as you get up and go to work or go to life, whatever you're doing that day, uh, ask yourself, how am I going to grow and give today? And at the end of the day, before you go to bed at night, ask yourself, how did I grow and give today? And if that's difficult, maybe you need a purpose partner, somebody to talk with and kind of hold each other accountable. 
But after only one week of the, the posted practice of grow and give, people get a felt sense of what this purpose thing is all about. It feels good. I was happier when I was making a difference in someone's life. It was a kind word. It was, um, it was a uh, email or listening in the doorway or whatever it is. It's very simple. There are 1,440 purpose moments. And if I just gave in one of those moments, it would be, uh, you'd get this felt sense. So that's one practice. And I'd summarize that by saying uh, the American essayist, E.B. White, said one of my favorite quotes about purpose. He said this, Mark, I arise in the morning torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. Well, actually, retirement and life in general as human beings is about both. It's not literally saving the world, but it's about showing up in family and community, uh, making a difference in the lives of others. So it's about both saving and savoring. A life of retirement that's strictly savoring eventually runs out of gas runs out of energy, drains people. and that, But a life of just saving also does that. So we need the balance of saving and savoring. So does that, does that kind of answer that question? No, I love it. I, I love your quote better. I, I, I think saving and savoring is not a good way as articulating grow and give, which, which you put on yeah. the post-it note. I think they're pretty much one and the same thing. And, and maybe this is, is what the napkin test is. I'm not 100% sure, but you know we've actually got a TV show at Growing Boulder that's called What's Next. Uh, we've got a PBS yeah. special that's called Launchpad to What's Next. You've written as much as anybody about how to figure out what's next. Uh, how does the napkin test fit into that, Richard? Well, the starting point, there is a, a pattern to beyond the simplicity of the post-it. There's a pattern to reflect on that really defines purpose. And it's three letters. It's a formula. G plus P plus V equals C or equals purpose. Gifts plus passions plus values equals calling. Calling is another word for purpose. And so if you get up in the morning and you use your most enjoyed gifts, things you've had since you were young, and I can define what a gift is if you want to go into more detail. But if you're using your most enjoyed gifts on something you feel purposeful or passionate or at least curious about in an environment that energizes you rather than drains you, that's purposeful living. That's calling, equals calling. So the, the you know, the G is how do you want to help? How do you want to make a difference? The P is who do you want to help or who do you want to help make a difference with? And the V is, is kind of like values. It's what energizes and what drains you. And if you get if you can reflect in, on that in your work world or your retirement world, both, now you've got, uh, you're on to the, the real key to unlocking the power of purpose. So I talk about Purpose is not out there to be found. It's in here waiting to be unlocked and brought forward and expressed and activated. And how do you do that? Well, you start with some reflection. You just can't, there is no easy way, but this is the easiest way I've found. And, and that is to define your gifts, passions, and values. So the napkin test is when people say, I call it the God a minute school of coaching. People say, Richard, I'm too busy. Got a minute? Can you tell me what I should do with the rest of my life? I'll say, well, take take out this napkin because a lot of, or take out a napkin because it could be in an airplane or it could be in a, 
restaurant or something, write this nat this formula down. And a lot of times people say, that's brilliant. I never thought about that before, but I need to do some more reflection on my real gifts. And I need to help my others, my partner and my kids or grandkids do this too, because they're all struggling. You know, when I did that PBS special and I would go out to different, after it was shown on TV, I would go out to different cities and do live events. Whole families would show up. The grandparents, the parents, the kids, even the grandkids would show up and they'd say, we're all at a what's next moment, but we need strategy. How can you help us? So they start talking and giving each other feedback on gifts, passions, and values, and the place comes alive. Up next, we've got more with Dr. Richard Leiter on how to harness the power of purpose. He'll explain why one of the most important people you can have in your life is a wise elder. That's next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I'm Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer, and this is Growing Boulder. And we're talking today about the importance of purpose with Dr. Richard Leiter. He's the founder of a company called InVenture, which helps people unlock the power of purpose. So let's pick up that conversation as I ask him about how we identify purpose in ourselves, how we discover that which makes us a unique and important asset, and how it is that our gifts can be so unlike those of others, even in our own family. Here's Dr. Leiter. I can hear people out there, Richard, saying that, 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 you know, he offered, Mark, he offered to explain a little bit about how we identify our gifts. So I do want to follow up on that for, for just a minute, Richard. How do we understand what our gifts are? Well, if I ask people on right now, if I could see the people listening and I say, raise your hand if you've got brothers or sisters, about 90% would have brothers or sisters. And I say, your brothers and sisters, gifts talents that they had when they were young and have the same as yours. And there's laughter. They say, no, we're all different. I say, well, you're raised in that same household. What are the different gifts of different people in your family? And they'll start to talk about it. So I've been studying gifts for a long time and developed tools. There are four characteristics of a gift. Number one is something you love to do. Your hand turns to it naturally. I love listening. I Since I was a young person, but not... Other people in my family don't necessarily have that same love or that gift. What are your, what's your, what do you love to do? And secondly, others observe you loving to do it and doing it rather effortlessly. Uh, I would go back and I would interview parents and teachers and siblings, et cetera, and say, well, what are Mark's gifts? And then all of a sudden they would all kind of say the same thing that, and that's way different than his brother or sister or something. And the third thing is this, this is the biggie. You can't recall learning it. I don't know. I've always done it, but I don't have a degree in it. I don't have a certificate in it, but I'm really, I love doing it and I'm pretty good at it. And so a lot of times people will dismiss their gifts 
as because uh, everyone must have them. If I didn't have, to, you know, no pain, no gain. If I didn't have to earn it, then it can't be that, that valuable. But the fact is, it's the most valuable part of who you bring to the world is, is your gift. And the fourth thing is you love learning more about it, hanging out with other people who are learning more about it and things like that. So that's the four elements. I think a lot of us, you know, want our gifts to be something that they're not. And, and we get into trouble like that. You know, we, we, we think we're, right. we're, we're, someone's told us we're good at this. And then, you know, we've gotten a little bit of attention for that. Let me clarify that point, because that's a biggie. I talk about purpose with a big P and purpose with a little P. Purpose with the big P is kind of, or it has to be noble. It has to be like save the world. It has to be a cause. It has to be something that I'm not. And I have to have the gifts that I don't have. Purpose with a little P, though, is getting up in the morning and making a one-minute difference in somebody else's life. Getting up in the morning with the intention of making a difference in, in life, small P. And often when I talk about that, there's a sigh of relief because people say, oh, good, because I can do that. It's like grow and give. I can do that. But the big P, I don't know. I, I haven't discovered my big P noble purpose yet. And if you go to a memorial service or a celebration of life, and I'm often asked to do, do those, you'll find that, that the, they might start with the big P for about two minutes, and then it gets to the little P, how this person who has passed on made a difference in my life personally. That's the small P, and that's where purpose really lives, particularly in retirement, although not exclusively, but uh, where you can still, if you don't have a big P, cause or job that is a big P, you can still make a difference in life and feel really vital and live longer if you do it. I love that. You know, one of my the favorite quotes that I've heard recently, Richard, and honestly, I don't know where it came from, but, but I've used it a lot when I talk to people because I think we're all concerned, to your point, about making a difference. Legacy becomes a bigger thing as we get older. And, uh, and I love the fact, uh, this notion that, that, that our legacy is nothing more than the stories that people will tell about us when we're gone. And so the question is, what stories will people tell about you? Will they say that you were kind? Will they say that you had these little peas uh, that, that, that you're talking about? That can be a great legacy. Yeah. Yeah, as David Brooks writes in uh, one of his, his books, he, he talks about resume virtues and uh, legacy virtues. And, you know, people spend a lot of their time building their resume, building their resume virtues. And then eventually, what happens when they retire and they don't no longer are not working on their resume, then the legacy virtues pop in in, in, in certain ways. And so um, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to hold things. But the one thing I, I think is important for listeners is that isolation is fatal. Going it alone, you know, purpose is about connection with others. It's about choice, curiosity, and the courage to connect with others. And my teacher in this, back, way back in the 60s, was Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning after being in three concentration camps and having his whole family killed. And he uh, was liberated. He weighed 87 pounds. He went back to Vienna. And after he healed, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning in nine days. When I studied with him in 1968, he, he said that the last of the human freedoms is choice, is to choose what you want your life to be about, regardless of the adversity, regardless of the situation. And he gave examples about the will to live, 
and getting up in a concentration camp. And it's not the only thing that helped people survive, but it was one of the key things that helped people survive to give somebody else a hug, a kind word, a slurp of soup, hope for the future. That choice is the power of purpose that really drives throughout life from cradle to grave our why to get up in the morning. You've raised a great point, Richard. I, th I think the, the pandemic exacerbated, if you will, the, all of our understanding about the importance of community, the dangers of isolation. And, you know, right. unfortunately, it seems that the way this culture is going, that more and more older adults are disconnected. They, they don't have this community that you just said is critically important. So how can people out there that really don't have a community to nurture them and support them and encourage them, what, what can they do? Well, I always say that and I, for decades, I wouldn't coach somebody unless they had what I call a sounding board. You could call it a kitchen cabinet or a fireside chat group. But a sounding board is has several people on it, at least one of whom is a committed listener. So I would say, who's your committed listener? Who practices care versus cure? They're not there to cure you or fix you. They're caring. Tell me more about that. Tell me your story. Tell me how, why you feel that way. Another person is a wise elder. Who's, who are the wise elders? Even if you're in retirement or an elder in elderhood yourself, who are the people who are 10 years ahead of you? And what can you learn from them about life? And third is wise younger. Who are the wise youngers in your life who might ask you questions that you haven't thought about before, not just help you fix your technology and do things like that, but actually are interested in certain ways. And the fourth thing is a purpose partner, somebody who you can meet with on a regular basis to to keep uh, your feet to the fire on your why, why, why you get up in the morning. So I think with uh, the pandemic, with isolation, I've advised many people to have the practice of checking in and creating a uh, kitchen cabinet, and particularly with a committed listener. And I would also uh, finalize that, Mark, by flipping it and saying, and who would pick you for their kitchen cabinet? Are you a listener? Are you someone who practices being interested versus always trying to be interesting. And so uh, people today are so pandemic starved for connectivity. Technology is hijacking the human moment for many, many people. And yet, um, you know, we're coming out of that, but, uh, but I think uh, we still feel a sense of isolation. You know, I think the pandemic accelerated the adoption of telemedicine, which a lot of older people weren't into. And, you know, I, the optimistic part of, of me, Richard, wants to believe that, you know, as older adults become more digitally savvy, uh, certainly not going to replace the face-to-face, -face, but the opportunity to connect could have a really positive impact. Do you agree? I agree. But I don't agree that it substitutes. I think it's, it needs to be balanced with, with uh, both. Uh, you know, I, uh, I used to uh, give every week talks in different parts of the world live. Now, you know, the last two years or 18 months, I've been doing it Zoom, and I just started to, to do live again. And I'm finding audiences are just, they're so happy to be together. Human animals are herd animals, meaning that they need to be with others. Dr. Leiter's book is called who do you want to be when you grow old? The path to purposeful aging. And I can tell just from talking to you today, it is filled with, with life affirming, life transformative information. So check that out.
Up next, a guy who's, well, he's as close to being a rock star as you can get without actually being one. Meet Cosmo Wilson and find out why he's sought after by the biggest bands in music. That's next on Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingboulder.com slash podcasts. Hi, Mark. That's Bill, and this is Growing Boulder. And, you know, I don't think there's much better than going to see your favorite band live. The buzz, the excitement, all that makes for an event that you will never forget. And, you know, you got to wonder, why is that? The songs are basically the same, so it's not as much about what you hear, Bill, I think, as it's what you see. Mark, that is 100% correct, because you don't always realize it, but sometimes it's the lights that make all the difference. Lighting guys, they can be like musicians themselves, especially if you're lucky enough to see a show lit by Cosmo Wilson, one of the best ever. Lighting, it kind of evolved. It wasn't something I, I went after. Like you said, you don't grow up saying, oh, I want to be a lighting director for rock and roll bands. Charles Cosmo Wilson is one of the most accomplished lighting directors in rock, illuminating bands like Aerosmith, ACDC, Def Leppard, Meatloaf, Scorpions, and more. He can still remember the moment 30 years ago at the Olympic Stadium in Berlin when he first realized how special his position was while running lights for the Rolling Stones. And they're playing, you can't always get what you want. At some point in the song, he wants the audience to sing, you know, Mick Jagger wants. So I bring up all the audience lights. So I, I look out around me because, you know, I'm just sitting there as, the, as they're singing. And, and everybody's got their hands in the air and everybody's smiling and they're all singing the words and mix up on stage doing this. And I'm looking at this going, I'm even getting goosebumps thinking about now. How lucky am I to be a part of something that brings so much happiness to so many people at the same time? You know, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. He's toured with over 40 bands, including Rod Stewart, Foreigner, and Motley Crue. But if rock is a business for the young, you sure wouldn't know it. At an age where many are winding down, Wilson is thirsty for more, loving what he does, loving life on the road, and hoping to keep it going as long as he can. It's incredible to me that I, I, I am one of the few people who do lights for these bands. And you're right, there's... There's a whole stable of young people wanting to, wanting to do this. And wanting to take your job. Well, yeah. And you're how old now? I just turned 60 about, uh, about a month ago. The one thing that the industry does appreciate is experience. You know, because you're not only doing a job, you're dealing with a band. You know, and the band want that kind of, it's not just experience in your, you know, lighting experience, it's your experience dealing with rock stars, dealing with fame, uh, celebrities. You know, also the, your experience in dealing with um, complicated situations or problems, you know, when things go wrong. It's, it's, like, it's like a pilot, you know, the engine goes out. You want a guy that's like 65 years old, has been flying for 40 years. Aging is great if you've taken care of yourself over the years, but rock bands, touring and clean living haven't always gone hand in hand. I mean, you take, you know, ACDC is one band, but you take someone like Aerosmith or a band like Aerosmith. 
you know, who um, are famous for abusing. They'll be the first one to tell you they did lots of drugs and lots of alcohol. Fortunately, they stopped, you know, a while ago, and, and they've gotten, they're very healthy now, and they're very well aware. But you're right, I do look at them and go, how long will this last? And, and you know, we're all mortal, and we're all well beyond what we thought we would be. I mean, if you would have asked me 30 years ago, when I first started, you know, with ACDC, or 35 years ago, or 42 years ago when I first started the business, what I would be doing when I was 60, I would have never said running lights for ACDC and Aerosmith. You know, that, that's I was 20, 20 years ago, I, w I wouldn't have probably said that, you know. But, but here I am. And do you like it as much? I probably love it more. And it's good to know the iconic, legendary musicians that he works with are a big part of the reason why. People that I work with a long time, they become my family. They become as close, if not closer, than family. There's Brian Johnson, the singer of ACDC, this unbelievable, iconic guy that I put on a pedestal. And then there's Brian Johnson, my friend. We can sit back and have a beer and watch a, uh, you know, an, an IndyCar race or a, you know, a Formula One race or you know, have a barbecue together. Are they good people? Are they... Yeah, they, they, they really are. I got to say, musicians, you know, people say, I mean, you hear, you hear rumors, they're difficult to work with, they're hard to work with, they're pain to work with. You know, people like, I find this with most musicians, especially Steven Tyler, who is, he sees the whole picture. He sees how important it is for the show, not just his performance, but the lights that look good, the sound, the effects, everything they do. He sees that whole thing. He's not a control freak in that sense. He is in the sense that he wants to make sure everything is good, but that's why he hires people like me and other people to put in place to do their magic. And people will say he's difficult to work with, but I, it's, he's challenging in a good way. You know, the best bands that I work for push you beyond the, the outside of the envelope and, you know, make you think outside the box. You know, Stevens always want me to come up with better ideas and some special thing just to make the audience go, wow. They're great people to work with, you know, and they make me do better. And I prefer that kind of a band. This is the crew. The last dinner we had as a big crew, as a crew, it was the end of tour party. Despite being surrounded by tens of thousands of people a night touring, can be a lonely experience. Life on the road isn't easy. There are temptations and frustrations. The only way to survive, he says, is with appreciation. When I go to sleep at night, I appreciate the day I've had. I mean, I, I'm thankful. That's one thing with my life is gratitude. It, it's, I wish, I try to get that across to my friends. It's about gratitude, is being thankful. I, I mean, everybody complains and stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm grateful for everything that happened today, that, you know, whatever happened that day, you know. And even the bad things, I'll try to garner something out, the goodness out of it, you know. I want to run lights for these bands as long as they continue to play. I mean, what am I going to do after, will it end? I mean, obviously, the older bands, it'll end, but what's, what's you know, I mean, you look at Taylor Swift filled stadiums, you know, there's a lot of younger bands, you know. Uh, fill stadiums. Could I do something like that? Very possibly. It's you know we'll see what kind of genre of music occurs in the next decade. Looking forward to the next decade, shouldn't we all be? Because with Cosmo Wilson running the lights, the future sure looks bright. Oh, there are so many things to love about that guy, and one of the most important is he is sixty. But he's never been better at what he does. He's never been more in demand than he is right now. Not thinking about retirement, not thinking about slowing down. He is loving his life and grateful for everything that's come his way.
You know, somebody else who is lighting the way for others is an amazing woman by the name of Lucille O'Neill. Amazing because she raised a young guy by the name of Shaq. She's the mother of Hall of Fame basketball star Shaquille O'Neal. She's also amazing because after putting her education on hold for 30 years to raise her kids, she went back to school and graduated cum laude with a bachelor's degree in business administration. And then on top of that, just a few years ago, Bethune-Cookman University awarded Lucille an honorary doctorate. That's why our Cecily Wilson sought out Dr. Lou's prescription for never giving up on your dreams. It was a dream at first. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I wanted to get there. That determination that I had, I prepared myself. My children were growing up. I took care of them. They were growing up out of the home. I said, Lucille, it's your time now. God said to me, Lucille, it's your time now. I got busy. I didn't have to pay for my grades for them to give them to me. I put in the work and that I am so proud of as well. So when we stop dreaming, that means we have really limited ourselves. Don't limit yourself because you can, you start here, but you want to continue to grow and grow and grow. There are no limits in what we can do. None. What would be the best advice you'd give someone who is over the age of 50, maybe over the age of 60, thinking, it's too late for me now? I would ask them a question. What is it that you want to do? And then when I get that answer, depending on what that answer is, my encouragement always comes from these few words, that it is never too late for a new beginning. Simple. What do you want to do with yourself? Not what they want you to do, but what do you want to do? Everything begins with us. Self-determination, self-pride, self-motivation, self-encouragement. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm going to make it. I will make it. What's next? What's next for Dr. Lou, the designer original? I can only tell you what I desire to be next because we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So for me, what I'm looking forward to being next is establishing a real community now in Atlanta, Georgia, the place where I live. I want to be able to bring the concept of the Faith and Fellowship Luncheon to the Atlanta community. I want to be able to establish relationships. I want to be able to help others, other people that I don't know. So in the short term, that's what's next. But we'll see what what God says. Don't know how long I'm going to be here. But on the journey, since I'm closer to the other end of the dash, I'm going to make my few hours, days, months, years, whatever. I'm going to make them count. Someone else who understands the importance of gratitude is Mark. And he's about to pay it forward in a way that will help us all. On My Mind is next. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. 
Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. One of my favorite studies is actually an aggregation of about 148 different studies, all of which underscore the importance of social connection. And these are studies that have proven that as we age, low socialization is actually more damaging to our overall health and our overall well-being than smoking, alcoholism, or obesity. And of course, that's not to say that we should engage in any of those behaviors, but it does underscore the value of community and the dangers of social isolation. And these are dangers that became even more apparent uh, during the pandemic. Uh, seniors that sheltered in place as they were told to do so uh, were isolated. They quickly became lonely. The CDC now actually describes loneliness and isolation as serious health risks. So why aren't we doing something about it? Why aren't we doing more about it? And most of us operate in a, a daily digital world in which we can instantly connect with one another virtually. We run businesses virtually. We can find dates. We play games. We continue to learn. Why are seniors being left behind? Why is there this still dangerous, debilitating digital divide? Well, the good news is that there is a company out there that's beginning to make a really big difference in the lives of millions of older adults. The company is called GrandPad and was started by a father and son team back in 2014, I think. They're now making a major difference. And of course, it does help that the founder of the group has a big background in technology. He developed user-friendly software for companies like Target and Best Buy and Bank of America and Intuit. And so I'm excited to learn more about the company, which is called GrandPad from CEO Scott Lane. So uh, let's bring him in and have a good chat. Scott, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Mark. I appreciate that. Take us back to the beginning, if you can, to the germ of the idea, because, you know, I think like many startups, for you, this was a labor of love. You were a guy who saw a need, and, and lucky now for millions of others, that you, you had the ability, you had the experience, you had the background to actually solve it. My son and I and my wife were all living in California a little over eight years ago, and my mom, who was 80 at the time, living in the Midwest in Iowa, what we saw is we were increasingly disconnected as we, the young people in the family, were all using our smartphones to call each other and text and email and share photos. And my mom was largely left out of that conversation. So we started asking, why, why was that? Standard technology, smartphones, tablets, computers were mostly designed by 30-year-olds for 30-year-olds. And so we said, what if we design something explicitly for this awesome age group of super seniors, rather than trying to guess what it's like and come up with a product that a 90-year-old would not like, we said, let's just work with them. Let's let our grand advisors who are all in their 80s and 90s, they really design the product. And we're just the hands that builds the product that they want. What are the main features in this thing? What can someone who has a grand pad do? We, we call it the, the three C's, communication, content, and commerce. The communication, easy video calling, phone calling, and emailing, all protected, just that circle of care can communicate with you. So that means no scammers or spammers can get through. On the content, it's sharing of family photos and videos. It's music. It's AM, FM radio streaming, AM, FM radio stations. 
and all kinds of other great content like the Growing Boulder content is easily available at the push of a button. And then commerce, if people want to be able to go on to Amazon or Target or other um, e-commerce sites, those can be turned on and they can do that in a very simple, safe and secure way as well. We really cover the, the things that people want to do. And I always say it's the 10 apps that people want, not the 10 million they don't care about and are going to get scammed on. And I'm guessing, Scott, that it's not just the, the older 85 and 90-year-olds whose lifeline has become a grandpad, but their children and grandchildren who now really for the first time can truly engage with, can truly interact with their loved one. Yeah, we hear it all the time that it brings families together and they're communicating more than ever because now rather than it being this cumbersome, like, oh, we got to set up and do a Zoom call and it's, it's a hassle for everyone, what people do is they just don't do it. So that's, that's first and foremost is make it easy to communicate and make it enjoyable and create this walled garden that connects that circle of care but keeps the bad guys out. And when you do that, all kinds of amazing things start to happen. And you, you, you see that energy and kind of that spark come back into the whole family, but especially the seniors. You know, again, I think the highest, uh, most valuable use of this kind of technology is when it can be made accessible to older adults. It has the ability to keep them connected in totally unprecedented ways. And in Growing Boulder's platform, folks, it empowers seniors of all ages with the technological skills that they need in order to connect with their families, their friends, their caregivers. If you want to get one, folks, you could just Google GrandPad or go to GrandPad.net and find out more about it. It can make a real difference in your life and in the life of those that you care about. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble to neglect. Hi, I'm Dr. James Smith Jr. And I'm also an author, a speaker, a coach, and an authenticity expert. That's right, I've done my research, a ton of research, on authenticity. And for many of us, we think that authenticity means being true to oneself, saying your truth and living your truth. My way is a little different. I don't believe that there, when it comes to the authenticity paradigm, that it's authentic or inauthentic, one or the other, black or white. That's not me. I believe there are degrees of authenticity, more or less. I believe paintings are authentic, jewelry authentic, a Persian rug authentic. It's not changing. But as people, we evolve every day. We get a chance to begin again every day, again, to be the best possible version of ourselves. We could be authentic in that moment, but it doesn't mean we're an authentic person because we evolve. We're humans, we're people. We're consistently changing and given the situation, will determine how authentic we are. Going forward, I'd like to say, authenticity to me and hopefully to you will be again every day, doing your best to live true to what you believe and know that it's also about self-awareness, self-management, and self-regulation, which would be your behaviors. How authentic are you? Take it up each and every day.
definitely something to think about from Dr. James Smith Jr. And I tell you, one thing about this program is it sure makes you think, which brings us to our next edition of On My Mind with Mark. What do you have for us today? You know, Bill, we were taping our our TV show, What's Next, recently, and we were talking about making a difference. Uh, People you interviewed about saving the oceans, cleaning up the rivers and the air, it's apparent that it's gotten really, really bad. In fact, the World Wildlife Federation now says we are the first generation to know that we're destroying the planet and the last generation that can do anything about it. And then there's this epidemic of gun violence, 200 mass shootings in the first five months of this year alone. And, you know, you and I were both news anchors back in the day when you didn't share your opinion. Your station or your network didn't have a bias one way or the other. We were decidedly apolitical. And I've longed for the days when we could have a conversation with someone without really knowing what their political stance was. You learned that they were cool, interesting, kind people without having this division. We've worked very hard at Growing Boulder to remain apolitical, but here's what's on my mind. I think we've reached the point where we are all compelled to speak out. Uh, we know whatever our position is, but but here's the deal. We have to be informed. We can't just repeat the talking points of those who support our beliefs because in many cases we're learning all the time that they are wrong and we end up looking like fools. We need to read. We need to research. We need to question. We need to learn. And we need to form opinions that are based on fact. And here's where I've changed. Now I think that we've got to stand up. And we've got to say what we believe in. We've got to make our point because there is too much at stake right now. So, you know, Bill, I think a couple of old unbiased news guys uh, have got to be willing to, to, to step out there and defend our opinions after we inform ourselves with the facts. Don't you think, Mark, that the solution to problems needs to be the priority instead of getting a win for our team? Yeah. And it seems that more times than not, the second part takes precedent over the first. Sure, we'd like to solve gun violence, but not at the expense of, of you know, going against the where, where, where my team is. And that kind of gets in the way of us having any kind of consensus of us bringing common sense into the conversation and being able to move forward. You know, as much as I like to think the best about everybody, I'm not optimistic that this is really going to work out, Bill, because there's just too much information out there, too easy to access whatever you you want to believe. You know, too much confirmation bias. Uh, And most of us just aren't willing to do the heavy lifting that's required to actually understand what's going on. But you made a great point at the beginning of this, Mark, and you said that really inherently, we all do want to make a difference. What we have to do is look at each other as neighbors, look at each other as just people that are out there, because we'll do anything for each other. But it's when we get in big groups and start rooting and, and rooting for and rooting against is where we get all confused and, and start to lose our focus. Yeah, be willing to have conversations like this where we can share opposing opinions without immediately defaulting to you're wrong and you're a jackass and I'm right. It's all about respect. It's all about inspiration. And folks, it's all about growing bolder.